0: Behold, episode one hundred of the Duke and Duchess Podcast. In this episode, we have a live recording of our King Killer Theories panel from Balticon fifty three. We want to give out a special thanks to Daryl Mansell of the Paprika Podcast for his attendance and and being a guest of the podcast. We also want to send a special thanks to Susan King, Katrina Knudsen, Catherine and Stephen Stewart, Mandy Testerman, Grace Fisher, and Catherine Fisher, all who helped that day and provided assistance. This has been a special ride for us to be able to give you 100 episodes we were very, very glad to do it, and this was a great celebration. Uh, we are so grateful to everybody who was able to attend, and for those of you who are not able to attend, we really think you're going to enjoy this episode. Literal tinfoil hats and juice boxes were provided to all participants. If you like what you hear here, please listen and subscribe. Please tell your friends about us. You can find us at the thedukeandduchesspodcast.com, on Twitter at the DND podcast. Join our Facebook group. If you want to get some cool Duke and Duchess podcast swag, go to T Public and look for the Duke and Duchess podcast. And without further ado, please enjoy episode 100, our live recording from Balticon 53. This, this was a lot easier than I thought it was going to be. I was really anticipating technical issues.
1: We built in five minutes to the schedule just for technical just, issues. Just technical issues
0: then we did not need. Yeah.
1: I do have the schedule broken into five-minute increments.
0: There's a color-coded so chart You're, you won't be surprised to hear.
2: So how much tinfoil did you get to go through? Uh, two rolls. Two full rolls, That's
0: yeah. It. We bought four, yeah. You can make approximately 42 tinfoil hats out of two, so I guess 21 tinfoil hats per standard roll of Reynolds. <laughs> These are the things you find out.
1: <laughs> and now I will say that Chad was the faster tinfoil hat maker by a narrow margin. Mm. It's true, yeah. But I feel like mine were higher quality.
0: <laughs> well, when we all smushed them down and shoved them in a bag, I think the quality guy... <laughs> You know, I don't think it comes through, unfortunately. So I'll, I will, I will agree with your assessment. And I made these last night. Mm-hmm.
1: Like nine o'clock, I was like, "Why did you say we had <laughs> 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 What are <were> you doing?" <laughs> he was like, "They'll know I was joking." I was like, "They won't know you were joking."
0: <laughs> no, nope. you put it out there, man. We would put it in writing. It you put in, it in writing. Writing. Put it in the black and white, so <laughs> so it had really to happen. Mm-hmm. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> I couldn't couldn't disappoint people, yeah. you know, so, so. I do think this is the trickiest room to find. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. It was hard. Especially
0: because it says Pride of Baltimore 2 on the schedule. The door says Pride of Baltimore. There's n- this but this is it. This is the only Pride of Baltimore room. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I was wondering where the one was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it, it's only cuz I had another panel in here that I was like, "Oh, I know right where I'm going." But 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 it took me a few minutes to figure it out. If
3: I hadn't run into him, I'd be sitting down to
2: finish the floor. <laughs> well, where are they?
0: Yeah. <laughs> you have your official Capri Sun, the unofficial sponsor of the Duke and Duchess. <laughs> <laughs> so we, gotta make, we have to make a some uh, designs for hats and shirts that have Reynolds wrap and... Capri Sun. Capri Sun is the logo sponsors. Change it 30%. <laughs> <laughs> Cafe Sun.
1: Oh! <laughs>
0: Only comes in lemon, lemon flavor. Mmm.
1: <laughs> Ready? Yeah. yeah. Go
0: ahead. Welcome to the Duke and Duchess Podcast. Welcome back. I'm Chad. I'm Liz. And we have a special guest this time. Hey guys, it's me, Daryl. How you doing today? Hey, Daryl! <laughs> So, and welcome to everybody here at Balticon. Say hello everybody. Woo! Yes! Woo! Yes! yes.
3: So, there are 700 people in this.
1: Yes! 700 it's people. So epic. The crowd is electric.
0: <laughs> you could you welcome. could cut it with a very dull knife. <laughs> <laughs> welcome
1: to our 100th episode. <laughs> Woo!
0: Congratulations. So this this podcast started out with us covering the Kingkiller Chronicles, and we have, to this point, every episode has been some sort of book club, some sort of dive into a subset, a, a set of chapters, a set of material, where we really dig into the details, and people for... Many, 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 many episodes have been asking us, when are you going to do a Kingkiller Chronicles theory? When are you going to come back to it? So we wanted to save it for when it was special, and we're glad that all of you are here to make it special with us. So thank you all for being a part of this podcast. I'm quite sure it will go down in history. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> if only because I say so. so.
1: So we do have a special guest visiting us from the Paprika podcast... You want to introduce yourself? Yeah, uh,
3: I'm Daryl. I am the uh, creator of the Paprika Podcast Network, which is all things pop culture, uh, movies, television, video games, anime, and all that kind of stuff. There's four shows on our network, and then another two behind our paywall, our Patreon wall. So if you're a fan of all things pop culture, man, go ahead and uh, check out Paprika. It's like Paprika with an O instead of an A, uh, Mm -hmm. where all podcasts are downloaded. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Yeah, Daryl is the hardest working person in podcasting and uh, one of the first podcasters to kind of welcome us when we started this and uh, help us along. And so we're really excited for him to be here on our 100th episode. Thank
3: you for having me. Thank you for having me.
1: So, uh, Daryl, we have something special for you. We have a game of Mary Bike Ride Cliff.
2: <laughs> We're sh- For those start who, with have an old not,
1: who have not checked out our podcast, Mary Bike Ride Cliff is the family friendly version of Mary Fuck Kill that we play with our kids. Um, so I will give Daryl three people, and he has to tell me who he would marry, who he would go on a bike ride with, mm. and who he would push off a cliff. So this is the Mary Bike Ride Cliff. University Broad's edition. Ooh. All right, so Mary, bike ride, Cliff, we Mola, okay, Fella, okay, and Debbie, and Debbie, Debbie.
3: All right, so here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna loan get my loan from Debbie and push her off her Cliff, so I don't have to pay that back anymore. <laughs> I don't have to worry about that. Then I'm good. That leaves me with Mola and who else? Fella. Fella. That's a rough one, man. I feel like. Fella, she she's she's with you through thick and thin. Um, if I remember correctly, Fella switched places with Kovoth when it was the university time when uh, when Ambrose poisoned him. That that shows you that shows you some loyalty right there. I'm marrying Fella.
0: And then uh, me and Mola are going for a nice little practice ride, I think.
2: Yeah. Nice. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I think the only option with Debbie is either Mary or Cliff. There's That's no, right.
1: There is no bike there's riding. There's no in between. Felton,
0: yeah, she's. Yeah. You're either. You're either hitching that to your wagon for life, or you're shoving it off the cliff. There's no. <laughs> There's Absolutely. no, there's no other way around it. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah there's, no, there's no telling
3: what's going to happen during that bike ride, <laughs> <laughs> or what's so going to happen after the bike ride. For my
0: own safety,
3: <laughs> <laughs> she must go. <laughs> <laughs>
0: exactly. So we like to start off by pretending to kill female characters. That's. <laughs> <shh>.
1: no. <laughs> Let's not take this out of context. Oh, okay. Jack. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. So we got a a number of theories, uh, kind of general theories to get through. Um, We'll try and spend a couple minutes on each one Um, because we are recording a podcast. If anyone has a comment or whatever, we'll repeat your comment so that it can be recorded through the ages for posterity. Um, But the first one, I think one of the the most overarching mystery that we have in the series is what happened to Quoth to turn him into Coat? Are they the same person even and um, what what happened to make that transition?
0: So it's funny. We were just talking with um, August Grappin, who was in here, who wanted to be and was planning on being a part of this panel, but unfortunately could not uh, because of a of a book uh, that's coming out uh, that she's going to be involved in. So so we were just talking about it, and we both sort of agreed that there's some weird time stuff going on in this book that we haven't this series that we haven't quite put our fingers on yet that we have you know coat being of a sim, you know younger somehow than devin the chronicler and yet having read his books at a young age there's some weird stuff going on that we that we don't quite get i think he's a lot older than we've anticipated i do think that the coat that we see is quoth but i think it's not the fully baked personality that we've got. I, I don't know if, I, if I'm going to go down the road of his alter ego is, you know, parked in one of the boxes somewhere. Um, but I think, you know, he's, a, he's somebody who we start from the beginning with, we know it's going to be tragic. Uh, the thing that I really think, and I, and I hope this doesn't dip into anybody else's theory, I think the, the primary tragedy in his life is that he's going to get, end up being betrayed by Denna at the point when they finally get that da- those damn ships to come together. He's going to end up getting betrayed by her, and I think he kills Simon. That
1: rough. hurts my heart. That's
0: rough. That
1: hurts my heart. That's,
0: I think that's the core tragedy to me, that the king that gets killed is Simon.
1: Mm. Daryl uh,
0: I definitely
3: think that Quoth and Cote are the same person. I think the radical difference between the two is just the fact that he knows he broke the world, uh or at least he thinks he broke the world. I think Quoth has a way of of shouldering responsibility for things. You know that, that he may or may not have done, but he, he takes everything very personal, down to the bones. So whether or not he directly broke the world or did something that ended up leading to that, he, he thinks it is all on him. Um, as far as killing Simon, I think he is going to be forced to kill Denna. Mm. I think that's something that's going to be. Uh, that, that is the one thing I could think of that will completely break his, his spirits. Um, so less maybe him hiding out from people, which we do know there's a bounty on his head still, but more just slinking away to to kind of whist away in shame. Um, I think those are the two things, him inadvertently breaking the world to the, the crappy state that it's in now, and being put in a position where he is forced to kill her.
1: Mm. Um, so my theory, and adjust your tinfoil for this one, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> my theory is that Quoth did, did something happen where he lost Denna and killed the king, you know, whatever. The stones went cracky, cracky. And um, he went to Ori to help her, for her to help hide him. And he changed his name. And um, in changing his true name, he lost part of his power. And I think that's what's locked in his chest. His true name? His true name. Okay. Yep. I like it. Yeah.
0: we yeah. got a whole what's in the box section. We so do. I don't, don't want to get Just into, into that back, too much.
1: I don't want to get into that too much. Okay, so, uh, you know, kind of the second big one is, what's the deal with Denna? What, what is she up to, it, you know, on a scale of one to ten, how big of a hoe is
0: Denna? I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, man. man. I mean, this Denna
1: lovers, raise your hand. Denna... Den of haters, raise the other hand. I'm, the, okay, I'm in you're the right. lover's
0: category,
3: sir. So <laughs> I have transitioned from being a hater to uh, more neutral. My really? first read-through, I was like, man, this chick is the worst. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I tried to look at things through, well, what we know of her through her eyes. Uh, on my second read-through, and uh, having discussed a couple things with my girlfriend, who's reading the books for the first time now, um, I can appreciate the character more, I mean, it's it's maddeningly frustrating that it's very convenient that she pops up in point A to point B, uh, like that's too convenient. That's, that's Dickens kind of convenient, yeah, right yeah, there. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I, I I think it is by design. whose design? That's a that's a greater question. But I've come to appreciate her more, especially with you getting a wise man's fear with, uh, quote, overhearing her talking to the uh, the woman in the alley. Like, look, mm-hmm. it's hard out here for us. We gotta do what we can to get by. So that 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 turned
0: me a corner.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: This this could be the rabbit hole that breaks the podcast, right? Because nice. uh, I have a lot of thoughts on, on Denna. I'm actually so one of the things that that uh, people who have listened to the podcast know about me is I'm a slow reader. So if I reread a book, I, I'm not going to take the time to reread a book unless it is an excellent book. So. But I read in a great deal of detail, in part because of the way we take notes for the podcast. I end up reading everything twice, taking notes, talking about it, editing the podcast. So my first read is a very deep read. Now I'm actually rereading it for the first time. And I'm, I'm like almost halfway through Wise Man's Fear. It's it, On that reread, it's becoming so much more obvious that things are being set up for, quote, way early on so much earlier on than than you realize on the first read-through you know and i cannot help but think that Dena is a part of that as and then as you said her just constantly showing up is something that you know is far too convenient she anytime there's something really major going on Quoth turns a corner and oh who's there yeah. it's my mysterious pseudo girlfriend you know um, But I, but my take is that I think she, like Quoth, has no idea that he's being played. I think the whole the whole book is an elaborate game of talk. the whole The whole analogy is that it's an elaborate game of talk, and Quoth is one of the pieces on the board. And I think Den is another piece on the board. But I, I think, like Quoth, she doesn't realize she's being played. She doesn't know she's a piece on the board. Um, And I think the distinct difference is that they're both on opposite sides of the board from this perspective, that where Quoth's whole mystery is to find the Chandrian who killed his family, and he never shares that with another soul, I think hers is that she's on a secret mission to find out who the Aimer are who killed her family, maybe not her immediate family, but killed members of her family. And she's trying to do the same thing, and she's keeping it secret, and she's like him, not telling anybody. The thing that, that makes her so frustrating is that, like you said, she shows up places, she disappears places, she gets halfway down a road with a secret and shuts up about it. Yeah. If we read, if we only ever read Quoth from the perspective of his dialogue— and was never inside of his head, he would look the exact same way. Yeah. He would look like the flake weirdo who clearly is hiding something, but we don't know what he's hiding, you know, and so I think that's why we tend to dislike and distrust her. But I don't think she is necessarily an evil character.
3: Yeah, when I start looking at it from that perspective, because my, my girlfriend, Said the same thing. She's like, well, look at it from Dennis's perspective. They set up dates. He doesn't show up. Of course, you know we don't know he's busy saving somebody in a fire or something like that, or whatever the case may be. Or he's got to scamper off because he's found a little clue of something. Uh, yeah, he looks very untrustworthy and yeah, and, and flaky from Dennis' perspective. So when I I take that into effect, yeah, and she's she does not deserve half the hate that she gets on on the online. But then again, that's true of. 99% of female characters. Yeah. yeah true.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I definitely think she is set up as um, kind of, not the anti-quote, because I think they're she's kind of the same character and that they're going to be, we're going to find out that they're on parallel journeys. Um, and definitely on read-throughs, I could intellectually see how her behavior was the same as his and that we excuse his because we know his story and we've seen mm-hmm. inside his head. Um, and I think a lot of the, the gut reaction that I have to her is, Um, based on his reactions to her and that every time she's around he kind of turns into an insufferable character to read you know so it's like Denna is like oh great we're going to read it like eight paragraphs about you know what her braid looks like, and uh, skip, skip, skip. You know, so and and again, that's not her fault as a character. That's just my reaction to her. Mm-hmm.
3: How many raised eyebrows and wry smiles? Yes, they that, yes. Uh, might as well uh, tug her braids and smooth her skirts out. Yeah. right, exactly.
0: Right. And sniff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sniff. Yeah. 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 So, so uh, one more question about Denna before before we move on. Yes or no, Denna is secretly a Yellish princess. No. Yes. Yes.
3: <laughs>
0: Have a good night, everybody.
3: That is my time here. I, I don't think she is. I think that those braids are being used for a purpose, mm-hmm. uh, something I did not pick up on until I listened to the Duke and Duchess podcast. Oh,
0: fantastic.
3: Uh, yeah, I think those that someone has taught her how to use those braids because she's constantly looking for, for ways to learn magic, right? Mm-hmm. We've seen yeah. her on a couple, a handful of times with... Talk to me about sickledry or, or you know, what happens with this and this. Uh, I think someone is on the low. Probably her master, Ash, is teaching her something, uh, whether he's molding and shaping her for something under the guise of, yeah, I'll teach you a little something. That, of course, remains to be determined. But I think that uh, I don't think she's a yields princess, but I think she knows how to use those braids effectively for sending coded messages, for spying, whatever the case may be
0: so so my theory about that came because it fits so conveniently with so many other things the reason why I've been backing off of it in this reread is because it does sort of show up all those things show up after she first meets Master Ash prior to that point there's no braids there's no mm-hmm. there's nothing like that uh, which kind of flies in the face of my theory but I don't like that so I'm sticking to it <laughs> for now for now
1: so that brings us really nicely to the next kind of big question. Who is Master Ash?
3: I think the in this particular instance, the, the answer that is right in front of our face happens to be the right answer. I think Cinder is Master Ash. If for mm. no other reason for the... I look at it from a storytelling perspective because uh, I think that would be a good way to set up the confrontation between Quoth and... Cinder, Master Ash. Uh, I think in the end, at some point, he will have to make a decision or he'll be put in a position or Master Ash will be put in a position where he forces, it's either me or it's Denna. It's either the thing you love most or the thing you've been hunting all your life. And that's going to be the thing that breaks him the most. Hmm.
2: Hmm.
3: So that's why I think it's Cinder because I'm hoping that we lead towards that confrontation. Mm
0: -hmm. Now, I don't want to assume, so I'm going to ask. Cinder is Braden.
3: Yes. I think it's all one person.
0: I do as well. I mean, it wouldn't stun me if he's laid the groundwork and we find out that's not what it is and he defies that convention. But I'm with you. I I think not everything has to have 80 layers to be satisfying. And I, and I do think the Brayden equals Ash equals Cinder thing is true. Yeah, yeah. That's the.
3: I think that's the. Uh, that's the problem with spanning your books too long, is uh, after a while certain theories we just take as concrete fact, yeah. and when those things are revealed, it's not a big reveal. Uh, R plus L equals J for the, all you Song of Ice and Fire people. Uh, he took too long, so we figured it out. So once that reveal happens, then it's going to be like, ah, well, validate it. And I go on to the next paragraph. Whereas if he was pumping them up back to back, I wouldn't have had time to think about that. And it would have been a whole different revelation for me that I would have been able to catch on Riri's. But, but yeah, I think for me, that's, that's going down in print as fact. But
1: well, Then on the other hand, you have um, Robert Jordan. Who would that, What do you do? He had the same thing happen where fans figured out one of his theories, and then he changed it. Yeah. And then uh, we were all really pissed.
3: <laughs> so,
1: like, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't.
3: Yeah, I think it, you you set out to tell your story. You tell your story regardless yeah. of what happens. Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah.
0: One thing George R. R. Martin said, and I know we're not talking about A Song of Ice and Fire, but uh, when people were giving him a hard time about releasing the book so slowly, he's like, I'm not writing the book's right now for right now I'm writing them so that they can go down in history mm-hmm. you know and for the people who will pick up these books for the first time in 2037 you know and I think when you pick up the books and you know King Killer Chronicle for the first time in 2037 you're going to get something that's amazing and satisfying yeah. mm-hmm. and you're not going to pick up on the R plus L equals yeah. J or at least not as rock solid as, as the contemporaries true. have yeah true true true
1: so I am Camp Ash is Brayden, but I am Camp they're separate people. He's not Cinder. Um, for me that hasn't that's not concrete, but I do think that we're going to find out that Brayden is uh, an agent of the Chandrian. And I think that the Amir and the Chandrian have um, you know, like underlings out there doing their business. And I think that's one of the most fun things is trying to figure out who's on what team.
0: Yeah, I mean, I it's I'm convinced that Master Ash is Brayden 100% percent. i am not convinced that Ash that Master Ash is also cinder. Mm-hmm. I do th- like it from a storytelling perspective, which is why I, I want to go with it. Um, but if that is the case, then that means that Braden has some sort of ability to shapeshift, which is not uh, I mean certainly not out of the realm of possibility in these books. Uh, by any stretch, but it's not something I think that's been seen to this point.
1: No, it's that's not established as. But I mean, they can certainly do a lot of crazy stuff. But yeah, shapeshifting hasn't really been established as as part of the powers. That's true. That's very true.
0: Yeah, and I only say that because of when he saw Cinder from a distance. He had seen Braden recently, and he was close enough that he would have recognized, recognized. him. Well, yeah. Cinder is
1: described as having completely black eyes as well. Like, no, it's not, he's not someone who blends in. Well,
0: he I've couldn't always, like
1: saunter yeah. into the Aeolian and be like, "Hey."
0: Well, yeah. part of the and this is where it all gets very murky for me is like re- reading through that part of the series. I always took it that the Chandrian could shape shift to blend in. To the normal Mm. population So So I don't know I'm very much Up in the air About it I do like that
1: So what's their plan? What's their plan?
0: Honestly I think I think the plan For the Chandrian Is to go to sleep Mm
2: -hmm.
0: I think it's To be It's to be released Yeah The sweet release of death Absolutely I think that's what They're after What we all get uh, Friday
3: (laughs) 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 Friday at about Like 12 Um. (laughs) p.m. I think, uh, yeah, that, that is uh, Haliaq's, you know, curse with immortality. It, it sounds cool. Yeah. After a while, <laughs> hey, 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 no, I think he longs for death, and I think the way that he is going to bring about that death is the destruction of the world. I also think, which ties into my overall larger theory, I think that the tool that he will use to destroy the everything is by bringing down the moon. I think the name of the moon is what is locked in somebody's box.
2: Mm. One of them, yeah, one, <laughs> one, of, of, <laughs> those one boxes. of them, yeah, one of them,
3: one of them lock boxes. Yeah, I think, uh, I think he, the, he is using the Chandrian to help him destroy everything by bringing down the moon. Is my overall theory.
1: Mm, I like that. I like it. So who? So we have a lot. We've had a lot of speculation on the podcast and other places. Who's an Amir? Who's a Chandrian? Who's who's on what team? Do we think?
0: So I'm going to contradict myself on the Chandrian front because as much as I don't think Denna is an evil character as I go through and I reread I could also equally see it turning out that Denna is a Chandrian. There is the one female Chandrian. That's right. Now I don't know I don't think any I don't think there was any descriptions or any of the pictures or anything that were detailed enough to tell us one way or the other. Right. Um, if it looks like her, doesn't look like her. I would say that's pretty darn tinfoily. Uh, but um, but that's one of my that's one of my more tinfoil theories.
3: I think she's more than likely to be an agent of yeah. the Chandrian than uh, changing herself. Yeah. On the Amir side, I think the, the obvious one is another one of those. I think the obvious one is the right one. Lauren mm-hmm. agrees is. is he, I think he has a bit of a clue of what Quoth is up to. Or at least he knows he's rooting around for something other than children's stories. Mm-hmm. I think that that lends to why he's, he's kicked out for as long as he is of, of the library there. Uh, to deny him access for as long as possible to the information that uh, that he's looking for. And no order. I am going to remove it, hide it, whatever the case may be. Uh, Scarpy, I think, is also mm-hmm. uh, a mirror. hmm Mm-hmm. And as far as I know, those are the only two that I can think of that would that would fit that purpose.
0: My only other so there's a couple of other possible Amir that I'll put out there, um, and I'll say Cauticus and Dagon mm-hmm. ah, yeah. would be other ones that I think. Yeah, I think Dagon Dagon could potentially be a red herring just because he's sort of so clearly like seems to be being lent to look like a stereotypical classic judgmental. Yeah, you know, you know, very yeah. rigid amir. So, so he could that could be something that's going to defy expectations. But I think that the amir have a lot of interest in what Mayor Alvaron is is uh, doing, and also we have the information from the Cathay telling us that somebody in that in that castle building, whatever you want to call it, is an is an amir. Yeah, uh, the, the Cauticus thing is very puzzling to me because if because he could have easily killed the mayor if that's what they wanted to do and yet that wasn't what he did he simply wanted to keep him weak and unable to have an heir but i can't i don't have an understanding of why he would do that which is what's so sort of puzzling to me and why i can't quite i haven't quite been able to figure that out yet but i but i think there are two other candidates what do we think about puppet
1: I think Puppet is is a student who was cracked. I, I see him as being very similar to Ari in that maybe he started to touch on not just naming, but shaping.
2: Mm. And
1: um, that's why he is allowed to have candles in the amongst the scrolls, because no one can stop him. And he's just kind of allowed to exist down there.
3: I mean, yeah. I really don't give Puppet much thought.
1: <laughs> but I, I think that... Um, I do think that when it comes to the mayor, one thing that really hit me this time around was the fact that when he was a boy before he became the mayor, he was just starting to get interested in the Amir, and he was going to start this whole research project, and then his father died, and then he got sick. And so for me, I I thought, that's the Amir, making sure that he's not getting too close to them, and that's kind of what we've seen. Um, We've seen Lauren do whenever both got close to finding out something about the Amir. When I first realized that, of course it's like six years after Wise Man's Fear has come out that I'm reading these books even, and I remember going on the Kingkiller Chronicles Facebook page and being like, oh my gosh! And then getting this message like, this is a topic that's been banned because people have talked about it so much.
2: Like, oh.
3: yeah, it seems strange that the Amir are trying just as hard to make sure their name doesn't get out there as the Chandrian mm-hmm. yeah. are trying to make sure their name doesn't yeah. get out there. And for what purpose, I'm not sure.
1: Well, I definitely think one of the big themes that this book touches on is um, kind of extreme good and extreme evil being the same thing, mm. um, and that like finding that middle ground is is preferable to either. Yeah. So yeah.
0: because this kind of loops in, I know I'm going slightly off script here, but who do you think sent the assassin? You're looking at me like
1: five minutes of- increments. Chad.
0: <laughs> <laughs> who do we think? Sent the uh, the thugs after, quoth, to stab him in the alley. Oh,
3: like when my first time through, like he he assumed Ambrose, and so mm-hmm. I assumed, yeah, yeah. Uh Second time through, I'm like maybe ten percent Ambrose, yeah, 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 yeah. but ninety percent I I don't know who else. Because don't they mention they've been looking for him for a while now? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that would mean it had to have happened before he met Ambrose. That they've been looking for him. So that kind of rules him out, really. I don't have any other good options
0: or possibilities. Well, the reason why I brought it up is there's a a part of me that thinks, and this is not by any means foolproof, but there's a part of me that thinks it's Lauren who wants what? to kill him. On the other, so so I'm gonna, ca- I'm, gonna we'll own, <laughs> I'm gonna counter my own. I'm gonna counter my own tinfoil by saying. If Lauren wanted him dead, he could have killed him a long time He could, anyway. have, he, he yeah. could have killed him other Definitely ways. Definitely could have killed him. But he, but this puts distance between him and and uh, the the crime.
1: I think it was Master Ash slash Brayden, mm. who hmm. I think has been sending Denna after him for a long time.
3: I don't understand like the one that's that's generally a, the theory I see often is that Ash is the one puppeting Denna out, but I can't figure out to what purpose. Like why are they toying? With, "quoth, if they want him dead, then they just kill him. If they want to, you know, pull a, an Anakin and just turn and just just start that whole process. Then, unless this is the start of the whole process, and they're using Dena as the 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 Padme, you know, substitute there. Uh, but yeah, I just, I'm not sure what purpose they are with toying with him.
0: I, I'm. I hope it doesn't go this way, but there's a part of me that thinks that we're going to find out that "quoth" is some sort of you know, Jon Snow sort of master, heir of some line, reborn hero, you know, that he is Taylor reborn or something like Mm. that. I hope it doesn't go that way, but the mystery around his parentage leads me to think maybe that's what's going on. But at the same point in time, if anybody else in the greater world thought that was true, again, why would they not have just killed him outright? Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, and so talking about Quilt's parentage, are we all, I mean, I guess it's still considered a theory, even though it's one that I think seems very, uh, like it's going to be true, is that Mellowan Lockless is Quilt's aunt, that his mother was Natalia Lockless? we're all kind of, yeah. yeah, yes, 100%. everyone is nodding their tinfoil hats, yes, we're
0: all in the same 700 page. nodding tinfoil yes. hats. <laughs> Previously I see you established. way in the back <laughs> there. <laughs>
3: Yeah, I think that's another one you can kind of take to the bank.
1: I hope so. Yeah. Um, so what's in the box? Oh, what's in the box? This
3: <laughs> is <laughs> Gwyneth Paltrow's head. No! <laughs> <laughs> it'd, be the,
0: it'd be the biggest troll in history. That's, that's what it actually was. Like, I don't know this woman. <laughs> <laughs> um, I assume we're talking about the one
3: that's in his room. Either box. Well, that's the way we have Or to,
1: the lemon-scented box.
3: Lemon-scented box. Mm-hmm. Uh, Let's pick one. Let's Okay, go with the what's, one
1: what is in the lemon-scented box?
3: I think that's where the name of the moon is. I think the changduan are looking for that box.
0: I, I 100% agree. I think it's. I. I'm. It's either the name of the moon or it's the what? Something that stands for the moon. 100% moon, moon, moon. Yeah, it's. You know what? It's. Who's the guy who walked on the moon? it's neil Neil armstrong's head (laughs) that's whose head it is
3: that that makes so much
0: more
2: sense so
3: while my tinfoil hat fell off Uh, (laughs) it's dark magic's at work timey-wimey stuff going on yeah i can't think of any any other thing that could be inside that particular box
1: so I think that it is a key. I think it's the key to the doors of stone, behind which is the baddest mother shaper of them all.
0: The baddest mother shaper. The
1: baddest mother shaper.
0: I'm just talking about EX, baby. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah,
1: I can
3: see that. I can yeah. definitely see that. Yeah, whatever it is, obviously it's something incredibly worthwhile and plot worthy. That is that with that box has been handed down for, for generations upon generations yeah. upon generations. They're keeping it out of somebody's hands in particular, I think.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I guess the question is whose hands are they keeping it out of, which is one of the things I wrestle with. Because uh, on one hand, it seems like Denna, they're trying to train Denna to figure out, you know, the history of the Yilish language, et cetera, to be able to maybe use her to open the box because it seems like one of the things binding it is a Yilish spell. Mm -hmm. Um, So that would be a reason for the Chandrian, you know, they seem to be demonstrating things that could go down that road. But it seems to me that if there's anybody who has more of an interest in doing it, it would be the for the greater good Amir Mm -hmm. who would want to, you know, draw a line between the material world and the world of the Fae. So, which is why I think it's more likely that it's the Amir who want to go after it.
3: I mean, Denna's the right person, considering I think she is part fake.
1: No. Yes, vindicated. You're saying Denna's a fake. Vindicated. (laughs) Yeah.
3: Yes, yeah. Uh, uh, There's one particular line. That that makes me think that, and I think it's Florian that tells us one thing a wise man will fear is a moonless night. Mm-hmm. And whereas is like, I love a good moonless night, mm-hmm. and I'm like, mm, there's something, there's
0: something mm-hmm. to that. Also, we have that's a history good. of people seeing a fae and thinking they're human because that's what they want to see mm-hmm. in Bast. Bast.
1: Well, that's and, true. Yeah, and Bass' Bass's description of, of
0: Denna is that's far true. different than Quoth's
3: description. Yeah. I think Bass sees Denna for what she actually hears, the, mm-hmm. the tiny ears, the crooked nose, mm-hmm. and all that kind of... Or, you know, Quoth is just so tainted by love that he but looks he past her. He
2: doesn't her jacked yeah. up face. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> Terrible.
2: <laughs>
0: but um, but he does not call her out as being a fae. Right, which, uh, right that's true. So, whatever that means.
1: I forget what I was gonna I, oh, we, we going to ask. What was I gonna say? We were
0: going to say? So, we were going down the road of the boxes. So, I think we talked oh, about. Oh, yeah. Oh, so we, gotta, we
1: have to talk about, though, talking about the Yilish knots, the fact that when Quoth started learning the Yilish knot language mm. from the chancellor, he got mysteriously ill and had to stop. Mm-hmm. And I just definitely think that's the Amir behind that as well.
0: Agreed. Yeah, agreed.
1: Side theory. Okay, so the big box, what's in the big box?
0: Now we're talking about the thrice-locked chest. The thrice thrice-locked right. chest.
1: Yeah. What is in that bad boy?
0: I mean, that's where I go with your theory that I think it's it's something that's tied to, whether it's his name or whatever, but it's what is tied to his inability to be Quoth. You know. Yeah. Is yeah. it his loot? I don't I I I don't. I don't know what it is. Loot's a good idea, actually. I hadn't even thought of that. The, the idea that um, he says to Bast, if um, you know, if you need to get into this, how do you get into this? And he's like, "Well, I don't want to destroy." And the quote is like, "Assume I'm dead," <laughs> which is, to me, that's the line that means, that, "Well, he's in. He's in that box Or something extraordinarily close to his soul is in that box."
3: Yeah, they, you know, his true name is the one that's floated around a lot. That mm-hmm. could be in there. Uh, Yeah, I, I, I know what the loot's in there too. I'm going with that. Yeah, the loot's in there. I think his there.
1: cloak is in there too. Yes. All his stuff, all his magic stuff is in there.
3: Yeah, I was trying to wonder if, because it's been a while since I reread Wise Man's Fear, of if we find out what's happened to that cloak or if we have any kind of. I
0: don't but yeah, think so.
3: that's, yeah, I don't think, I think so
0: he we, has it at the end of the book. Yeah. Man.
3: So yeah, that's that bad boy's in there too. Mm-hmm. We, uh, did they ever give any dimensions on this box? Do we know? Like, I don't recall We're talking like a
1: Suitcase Four we're cubits a jewelry by four box? No cubits. I think it's like Chest size It's like the end of his bed yeah. Footlocker yeah, size so, Footlocker.
0: okay yeah. Which all is part right, of no. why I think it's the loot Because that would That could hold Be the appropriate size Yeah
1: Or so. denna yeah. <laughs> I mean if we, we want to Get a little dark We, yeah. we started
0: with Killing off female characters <laughs> Now we're stashing Their bodies
2: That's what I said But she wasn't
3: Oh. Mm. Her for later. Okay. Uh, oh I mean, Jesus! <laughs> oh
2: my God!
1: Agent. Okay. Okay. Just keeping no, her bad. for later.
0: I mean, if we believe that the quotes soul and personality can be in the box, then why not Denna's soul and her personality? Just <laughs> yeah. so, her and the Winter Soldier, frozen up in. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so let's just throw it out there then. What's your favorite theory? Well. That we uh, have covered. Can we
0: ask one more mysterious closed object, real quick? We've got yeah. time, so yeah. Uh, so we we talked about the boxes. What's behind the the doors of wood? Not these doors of wood. Oh, That's the another library? room. What's behind the doors of stone in the library? More books. <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs>
2: I, I think, yes.
0: it is, I, I, think <laughs>
3: I think it is everything that we have chronicled on the Chandrian and Amir are locked behind those doors. Oh, oh good call. Good call. I yeah. changed my theory to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think it's i think it's a much much smaller much more inclusive uh library of you know these are the books of the histories of the world and art of a sing and all that kind of stuff and then behind that is like this is the real business that's going down
0: yeah i mean i think one of the things that i think goes to that theory is we talk in the sort of the levels in the university right of we've got a a seer, we've got a listener, we've got somebody who can name, but then sort of what seems to be the ultimate level is shaping. And the the magic in the university is clearly it's like something's changed, it's dying out, you know, and Eldin is like you know, the last like real powerful namer, but there's, with the possible exception of Puppet, there's nobody who's going down that road of shaping. So maybe there are those secrets that and it would if you if you had those abilities, wouldn't wouldn't you lock it away? Heck yeah, yeah. And it I makes mean, sense. I, I've that locked the aimer, away far less dramatic. Stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it would make sense for the Aimer to lock that away and then appoint somebody to stand guard over it, like Lauren. We're yeah.
1: both mm-hmm. glomming onto your theory. I like it absolutely attached.
0: Just thought that one up about two hours ago for
1: you. <laughs> so I think at this point we could throw it out. Um, Anybody else have any thoughts on the theories we've discussed so we or have an another theory? hand. Yeah. So,
3: meet your kid. Come yeah. okay. so yeah.
1: back. So, the theory you hold, is. we uh, about
3: 45 that talents in child
0: support. Right? <laughs> 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 Tin foil has been posited.
1: <laughs> so, Bast is Quolf's son. That's a case that didn't pick up on the mic. I like that. Yes. Valorian says, you got to come back. In about eight and a half months.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what is the Fey gestation period? <laughs> it could be much
2: longer. It yeah. could be. I Sorry. think on the Doors of Stone in the library, I, I agree with Daryl, but I also think on the other
1: side is that because when you go into the Fey into the fe, there's the Doors of Stone in there too. Remember, mm. in a cave, there's the Doors of Stone they were going to open up into the library. Okay, little portal oh, business there. Yeah. nice! So that okay. the doors of the doors in the library lead into Fay. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yes.
0: Uh, Kip, one of the characters I find very interesting is Ari. Yes. I don't think she's just somebody who's cracked. No. Uh, she's obviously involved in this, and whether she's somebody who was trying to research into something simple like the Amir or the Changin, and they got to her. Or if she was maybe an Amir herself was why she might be why she has a little Amir token.
1: <gasps> oh so Ari might be an Amir. Or something or more than just Amir. a cracked yeah. student. Yeah. Yes. I actually always thought she might be a Chandrian, tragically, uh, because there is that woman, silent come, silent go. <gasps>
0: Good one. Oh,
1: I just got chills Ooh. that Ari might be a Chandrian. But yes, I, I don't mean.
0: Think, yeah, I don't think there's any doubt that Ari is more than she appears t- to be. I've always wondered, and Ari's interesting to me because she's a vision not, she's a vision into potentially what is sort of the, the greater history of the university in general? And why does there appear to be this almost entire city sunk underneath of the university that is larger and more complicated than than what we see that's above it? You know, so the university is almost the tip of an iceberg. You know, there's a—I um, don't think I've made this up. Uh, I believe I read this somewhere, the idea that Ari is a shaper— and that what's underneath of the university may not be a history. It may be her, what she has imagined into being. Mm. That she has built around herself. I know, I never thought
3: that, but that's, that's a good thing. We've got Evan, she's at least a name that we look
1: at, uh, the solar garden design thing. Absolutely, yeah. Right, yeah. Absolutely, and, and something more than a namer because of the way she's able to make, just what bring things mean? out of existence. It
0: changes all the time. It's always changing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Do we? Ha- yeah. It seems like it does change. It's just part of what leads me to think that might be real. Uh, does anybody? know? I mean, clearly her name and the fact that Quoth called her Ari is of significance. Though I haven't, I, I haven't heard any theories that I know of about what's significant about the name. We know that Quoth has a knack for naming things. You know, that's something that's true to them. Does anybody know or have any theories about what the name Ari means?
1: Hmm. It's, 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 a, a lion. it's a. Oh, I like ooh, that. okay. It's a one line in the book. I've struggled to find. Uh, go back and find where it is and which one it is, but I remember seeing that um, there was a princess Ariel. Yep. Yeah. Mm. That disappeared from um, mm-hmm. I think, from the university. Mm. So.
0: So the two mm. things that were said was that uh, she could potentially be Princess Ariel, which I do remember reading that. And did you say it was Hebrew for lion? Yes. Mm.
1: Hebrew for the word
0: lion. Mm. Interesting. That's
1: interesting.
0: Ariana is a pagan goddess. Wow. Okay. Mm. Okay. And that could certainly jive as well, yeah. for sure. I wouldn't put it past Rathus to yeah. stick a little bit of that stuff in there. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Which the Fay is something that you know is not. He didn't create that word, and I think it's interesting that he likes that Rothfuss likes to play with language. Uh, one of the things I thought was it's a kind of a little thing, but they're talking about the idea or the concept of vintages in wine, you know. And they say, well, technically, this is not a vintage because it's not from vent, you know. And it, I think it, I think it just shows the way that he likes to to bridge real world language into sort of his world whether there's anything to that or whether it's a throwaway line i guess we'll in eight or nine years we'll figure that out
1: (laughs) (laughs) i don't know if it applies but um ari is generally in hebrew a male name Mm.
0: okay so ari in hebrew is a male name okay yeah Yeah, that makes sense interesting
1: He was first. He was, you. he was first, yeah. Okay,
0: so the, the other thing, the other question I always have reading these books is, is Quoth an un, a unreliable narrator? Yes. How much of the
3: story mm-hmm. yes. yes. 100% unreliable.
1: Yeah,
2: raise yeah, your so, hand
1: if you think Quoth is an unreliable narrator. Ah, they have 700 and, uh, people
2: uh, just uh, raise uh, their <laughs> hands. <laughs>
0: yeah, I, I I certainly... It's, it's interesting because we have that sort of dual narrative of we have him telling the story but then when he's in the present quote present tense it's a third party you know narrator so that always makes it a little bit sh- a little bit weird as to what what are we getting but but it's undeniable that when we're back you know at the university and uh, you know in that we're definitely getting quotes perspective and i don't think there's a question that he's an unreliable narrator i mean at his heart he is a storyteller
3: i think everything he's told is has happened and
0: he punches it up a little bit as well mm-hmm. i don't think it wouldn't shock me at all if you know, we find out something down the road that a lot that a huge chunk of what we're reading is lies, hmm. not at all. because uh, one of the things that I wrestled with when we first started reading this book, you know, is quoth is our our hero, but he shows behavior constantly that's deceitful, or he's constantly stealing things. He's constantly lying. The things he does to some of the other boys in in Tarbian, I, I'm not saying that I wouldn't have done the same thing, but he—I mean—he is not a gentle lamb. He is not a paladin. Like it's not who he is. Well, I don't think he's ever made himself out to be that either. True.
3: Uh, I mean, it's, living in Tarbini, it, that's—it's everyday struggle right there to survive. So those it's those like kinds of, of Baltimore things. struggle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like. yeah, yeah. he slept on Lombard Street. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think uh, he's—he, I don't think he's ever presented himself as being the hero of the story. He's presented himself as being just the center of his story.
1: Yeah, I would agree. And again, it comes back to that theme of of extreme good, extreme evil, and everything that falls in between and all the human stories that fall in between. And, um, you know, I, I think a lot of the, I don't want to say religious, but the religious aspects and when, when they talk about the faith and, um, you know, there's – it addresses the idea that um, there's a lot of gray, and you know the story where he is in Tarbian and he's freezing in the snowbank, and it's um, it's the devil. Someone dresses the devil who comes and saves him. Um, I think that's that's a very like telling of what the overall theme of this book is. Yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah. it's that there there isn't really a, a good a good guy and a bad guy in all of this. Mm. It's just the the human stories that are there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I would agree with that. So, yeah. I've got one more. Yeah. Um, we have we have enough time for one more. We do. Oh. Ah.
1: Oh is it Time Line Global? Uh
0: you know what? I I do think that there's more to Eladdon. You know, I, I also think that Eladdon is the uh the poet, the poet king.
1: Oh, snap, really? Yeah, I, I absolutely never think Eladdon's
0: yeah. the, the poet king. I, I but I'm gonna say that I think Tabralin the Great is Tabralin the Great. I think Tabralin the Great is a story. Yeah. I don't think it's anybody in the present day. Yeah, it's one thing I, I am not a fan of in
3: fantasy is the backstory that's kind of telling you clues to what's going to happen for the rest of the story. Um, but I think in this instance, yeah, Tablin the Great is just
0: Tabralin the Great.
1: Third, thirded. <laughs>
0: So we are, we are closing in on our time before we want to be, uh, make sure that we are polite to the people who are going to follow this and give them a little bit of time. We can probably sneak another minute or two in. Uh, but I do, I do want to ask, uh, we'll have to be brief about it, favorite, favorite tinfoil?
2: Go ahead.
3: My favorite tinfoil is uh, the one that I made up. Uh, (laughs) I'm very much a Star Wars fan and Mm -hmm. uh, I think there might be overtones of Star Wars to this Um, I I mentioned earlier the Chandrian might be uh, using Denna to uh, to toy with quoth. I think that might be to turn Quoth to, quote-unquote, the dark side. And I think the A-Mirror will also be trying to... It's a battle for Quoth's soul. I think they both realize what an important character he is, how powerful he could be if he is, if he's trained properly, if he's left unfettered. I think the killing of Denna will be pretty much what happens with Anakin when Padme dies. And that's going to be uh, the event that kick-starts the destruction of the world. Or the the, the battle between the changeling and the Amir for Quoth's soul will be the big thing of what destroys the world. And that's why he feels guilty about it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think mine is something we've already discussed, that Quoth has changed his name. You know, we see uh, when he mentions to Elodin about someone changing their name and, and Elodin reacts very strongly. So we know that's a possibility. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's happened to turn him into Coat.
0: Would it make sense it would allow him to also hide? Or he could have deliberately changed his name to destroy his power because of his guilt. Uh, mine is uh, is probably a little more um, a little less to the core of the story, but I think Th- Threp is 100% bad guy, leading mm. him the wrong way. Which I did not pick up on until my reread. the so,
1: Threp is no good, huh? Threp
0: is no good. Right. Actively keeping patrons away from him? Yeah, Act- Absolutely, okay. and mm-hmm. Sending, sending him on a boat with people who would deliberately sabotage it. and mm.
1: That is you know. not looking good for Threpp. No, yeah,
0: right? I, I 100% <laughs> think, think Threpp is standing in the way of him, um, finding whatever it is that is going to be his overall destiny.
1: Any last kind of comments? Yeah, or?
0: before we go, thank you for... Bringing me
3: onto your show. I'm happy and, to do it. Uh, I brought you a little gift. I have. Stop it. Three iron jots. Wow. For you. What? Yes. It's a bag
0: of three no, shawdish iron drabs.
3: Yeah, that is yeah.
1: amazing.
3: I uh, found that little little bad boy for you as a thank you for letting me on your show. Well, well thank, thank you, you for so coming. much. Yeah. So we
0: will, for people to and take thank a look everyone. At thank you, yeah. all
1: seven hundred of you <laughs> for coming. To be part of this podcast. You can. Uh, so where,
0: where, where can they find us? So they can find us on the duke and dot com. Uh, join our Facebook group page. That's where we build this great, amazing community. Just go to Facebook or really any any of your favorite search engines and type in the Duke and Duchess podcast if you don't want to find out about. An actual duke Duke and duchess. Those, Um,
1: all those posers.
0: And then you can find us. Where can you? (laughs) Those pretenders. (laughs) Where can you find paprika?
3: Uh, You can find paprika, like I said, at uh, on all of your podcast platforms. Uh, Paprika, like paprika with an O instead of an A. We also have uh, the Facebook group that is the heart of everything. So if you're on uh, the Facebooks, you can type in paprika there, and we will add you in, and that's where all the good discussion happens. Brackets and and voting and arguments and all that good stuff so join if you like anything pop culture wise there's something there for you.
1: So we are currently working our way through the Stormlight Archives if anyone is into that. Um, we have also covered the Gentleman Bastard series in its entirety but not the Thorn of Emberlane yet which soon. Is not out yet but
0: soon precious. You can taste it.
1: So thank you again you everyone and uh, good night.
0: Good night everybody.
1: That's a wrap. That's a wrap. Yeah.
0: Thank you so much, everyone.
1: Thank yeah. You. Y'all are good sports.
0: So much tinfoil. I'm very happy. So much. Very, very happy. I didn't have to
1: throw this at you at all. I know. He behaved
0: himself. Mm-hmm. I think I so, expected a big red hammer to come out. So I accidentally saved this in in the computer as episode one thousand. Is that is that a... You'll, foreshadowing. foreshadowing of as things long to as come. You saved you'll hear this it eight years from now. <laughs>
1: Please save another copy. I will. I'm going to save a duplicate. Another copy. copy.
0: Just, just real quick um, report another 900 episodes.
1: <laughs> Each episode is one word long. <laughs> you just string them all together.
2: Uh,